A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax. And think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. to The World in 10, your daily update on the biggest stories from around the world as seen through the eyes of the Times of London. I'm Rebecca Myers. And I'm Nkemi Fejikan. Today we'll be looking at Putin's plans for the war in Ukraine and we'll also be debating the nominations for the BAFTAs. And we start today with some exceptional analysis on Putin's strategy for the war in Ukraine from Roger Boys, the diplomatic editor of The Times. As the first anniversary of the invasion approaches, Roger was taking a look at how the war could play out and the tactics that Putin is now relying on. Now, I think this is a really fascinating story because I think lots of journalists have been trying to do this what Roger has done, trying to figure out what comes next. I mean, I say journalists, but it's diplomats, it's politicians, it's policymakers and the like. And they try to figure out what happens next, what's happened in the past and how that might dictate what happens in the future. Now, this is all against the backdrop of the Munich Security Conference, which is currently taking place in Munich, hence the name. It's the big gathering where, you know, you have politicians, you have diplomats, security experts, they attend and they discuss the big security issue of the day. And no prizes for guessing that the Russian invasion of Ukraine is more or less the only story in town. Absolutely. And the US Vice President Kamala Harris gave a speech saying Russia had committed crimes against humanity. Let's hear a bit from her. In the case of Russia's actions in Ukraine. We have examined the evidence. We know the legal standards. And there is no doubt these are crimes against humanity. Now, Rebecca, we should point out to our listeners that the Russians have always denied committing atrocities in Ukraine. We should get that out of the way. Of course, but fascinating speech there from Kamala Harris. And meanwhile, our journalists have been analysing what might be next for Putin's strategy, what might be next for the war. Yeah, the great thing about Roger Boyce's piece is it looks at the history of what Putin has done in the past. His previous invasions, including the incursion into Georgia, that was during the Beijing Olympics in 2008. I remember that quite clearly. Then there was the annexation of Crimea in 2014 and the stirring up of rebellion in the Donbass and eastern Ukraine. In addition, it looks at the calculations within the Kremlin and beyond. 
For example, there's talk in the past about a potential coup against Putin. The piece also looks at the historical relationship between Poland and Ukraine, and spoiler alert, they are not exactly BFFs, or at least they weren't in the past. Though things have kind of improved now, and they, they changed a bit later, especially after the Second World War and the early years of the Cold War. Absolutely. And Roger travels to the Poland-Ukraine border to, to test the sense of feeling over there, to speak to people on the ground. And it really is one of the most insightful pieces I think I've read in recent weeks. Um, and it's not the only standout piece of analysis you can find on our website at the moment. We've got Mark Galliotti, um, an expert on this war, on how we're viewing Putin differently after a year. And I'd really recommend people read that as well. So, Rebecca, we have some other stories that we're looking at. We're still looking at Syria and Turkey and the earthquake, aren't we? We are. And, and this is actually a story we've been discussing in the Sunday Times newsroom since the beginning of the earthquake, since we first got that news, which is what does the earthquake mean for Bashar al-Assad in Syria? So there were quite striking pictures after the earthquake of him and his wife visiting victims in hospitals, um, taking selfies with people. And it really made us think about how the world's view of this dictator has shifted and how the picture of him as a leader has changed since the beginning of the civil war in Syria. And we commissioned a leading Middle East expert, Lena Khatib, to write about it. It's worth remembering that the civil war began, what, 12 years ago? The worst of the fighting eased years ago, that's clear, but it's still a miserable country. It's one of those frozen conflicts where since it started, al-Assad has never actually fully been in control of the entire territory of Syria. And crucially, he's been isolated from the international community. But the thing is, this kind of always happens. When you have a tragedy such as the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria, the international community does have to deal with al-Assad in terms of trying to get aid in and rescue and give so-called to the people who are kind of in the border regions between Turkey and Syria. And yeah, the image that will really stay with me, I think, from this piece is that of Assad laughing, taking selfies, meeting people on the ground. And Khatib writes so well about that in contrast to what we know he's done to his own citizens. It's such an important piece. I'd, I'd really urge people to read it. Absolutely, because there was the use of chemical weapons against Syrians and, you know, the famous or infamous red line that President Obama talked about all those years ago and when there was no retaliation from the West and Assad, in a sense, kind of was able to stay in power after that. Worth looking at, I'd say go to the Times website, subscribe, read the piece. It's a, it's a beautiful piece. Um, maybe beautiful is not the right word, but it's, it's a great piece to read. Now... Do you love football? I, I certainly Have I put you on the spot, Rebecca? I think I feel like I've put you on the spot. <laughs> you have. I've spent a lot of my career working on football, so I, I yeah, I know it pretty inside out. <laughs> I know. The biggest story in, the, in football now, in fact, even in, in sport, is the bids to buy Manchester United, right? Absolutely. And and it's, you know, it's, it's the world's most famous club, arguably. It's up for sale and it has attracted some intriguing interest. Sheikh Jassim bin Hamad Al Thani, the chairman of the Qatar International Bank and the son of the former Qatari prime minister, has thrown his hat into the ring. I know. I mean, it's, this is Manchester United we're talking about, so it's not cheap. The price tag that I looked at is something like in the five billion pound range. And the Sheikh has made an offer to buy it 100% debt free. He has indeed. And we can hear from the Times reporter Matt Lawton, who can talk about this deal. He's been covering it since the beginning and what it might mean for football. The Premier League, as everyone knows, is very much the dominant force in European club football. And the Qataris, like a number of investors, potential investors, know that's where they need to be. It's why the Abu Dhabi owners are at Manchester City. It's why the Saudis have moved into Newcastle. 
talking to a, a New York banker a few weeks ago, they were making the point, and it's a very interesting point, that um, when you look at this global economic crisis, sport is one of the industries that is relatively unaffected by it, seems relatively immune to it. So that's Matt Lawton talking about the purchase of Manchester United. I mean, Jim Radcliffe of Ineos is another fascinating potential owner of Manchester United who failed in his bid to get to buy Chelsea uh, last year. So, you know, and he's a lifelong fan as well. So good luck to him. I wish I had a few billion pounds knocking around to buy a football club. <laughs> five five plus billion to be exact. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you're interested in this story, I, I'd really say keep an eye on the website because this is developing all the time. We've got constant breaking news on this. So um, it will be really interesting to see where that goes. Okay, Rebecca, now it's awards season, isn't it? It is indeed. Now, listen, if I asked you to award the BAFTAs this year, who would you be giving Best Actor to? Austin Butler or Colin Farrell? So Austin Butler, that's for Elvis, right? And Colin Farrell is for playing the annoying character in The Banshees of Inisherin. <laughs> that's right, yeah. I don't know. Colin Farrell always does annoying too well. I don't know if you want to give him any awards for that. <laughs> okay. So Colin Farrell is almost too good. Well, the Sunday Times senior culture writer Jonathan Dean would disagree with you, I'm afraid. It's the British Academy Film Awards tomorrow, just down the river from our offices, in fact. And Jonathan has actually given us his definitive guide, not just on who he thinks will win on the night, but also who he thinks should win. I think Colin Farrell should win. I think uh, it's really nice to see an actor like Farrell who is brilliant, and he always has been brilliant, but he has been ever so slightly kind of overwhelmed by other things, uh, whether stories about his private life or films that weren't so great. Whereas this is him at his best. He's vulnerable, he's witty, he's warm. Uh, I would love him to win. It's a very strong category, actually, Best Actor this year. Bill Nye could win for living, but I think, the, I think who will win is Austin Butler. And I really liked him as Elvis. I think Elvis is a really good film it's a really good biopic uh and there's sympathy votes which happens sometimes because lisa marie presley obviously she died recently uh, and she was involved in the making of the film so austin butler is very good in this film i think he will win i would like it to go to colin farrell okay i think i might just rush out and put some money on this maybe a fiver and see what happens (laughs) (laughs) you've got you've got the intel if i lose if i lose i shall grab Jonathan by the collar and say, hey, what happened? (laughs) There you go. You have been warned. Um, Well, that's all for today, in fact. But we do have a sneak peek of tomorrow's episode for you. If you're enjoying London Fashion Week, you might be interested in this interview with journalist Claudia Croft, who is discussing her piece on a man called Mr Sparkle in the Sunday Times. He's had a really long career. And I think um, what's interesting about his career is that he's managed to span um, almost every aspect of fashion from haute couture, the most skilled and expensive and beautiful dresses in the world, um, down to like Freeman's catalogue. There'll be more on that story here on The World in 10. Thank you for listening. I've had the pleasure of your company, Rebecca. And the pleasure of yours. And don't forget, if you enjoyed the journalism you heard on this podcast, you can take out a digital subscription to The Times of London. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.